Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. If this is your first time finding this podcast, welcome. And to all those regular listeners, hello again. I'm your host, Emma, and in this week's episode, I have been joined by writer Stephen R. Marriott. Stephen is the author of the Reluctant Pilgrim series, the third book of which is about to be released on the 30th of March, entitled Diego's Guitar. It is a pleasure to be back talking to Steve again, who is also my partner, as we discuss the choices that he has made through life to get to where he is today. It has been particularly interesting for me to reflect on the walks that Steve and I did across Spain, which formed the backdrop of Santiago's guitar and also this most recent one, Diego's guitar. Also, I have been involved in the editing process, so he threw a number of questions back at me, which really put me on the spot. But this episode will resonate with those of you who may be thinking of changing career, becoming a writer, becoming more creative, moving away from perhaps a very successful career and thinking that there's more to life than just this. This episode will inspire you to think of the choices perhaps you need to take if you are wanting to change direction too. But without further ado, let's get on with this podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today I am here with Stephen Marriott. Steve is an author and his author name is Stephen R. Marriott. You may well have come across his first two books, Candy Floss Guitar and Santiago's Guitar, and the third one is just about to be released at the end of this month. 30th of March, uh, entitled Diego's Guitar. It forms a trilogy and completes a series of books that Steve has been working on for the past four or five years. So Steve, welcome to the Travelling Through podcast once again. It feels like I've never been away, Emma, and um, thanks for chucking the R in between Stephen and Marriott. (laughs) That's all right. And we should say for the podcast listeners, if you're looking at the book, it's written as Stephen with a PH, but when we're chatting generally and on a friendly basis, you're Steve. Yeah, I sometimes allow you to call me Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, as some of you may well have realised, uh, Steve's been on a number of my podcast episodes as we've travelled around the world. Bit of a disclaimer here, Steve is actually my partner as well. So he has been with me on a number of my adventures or our joint adventures um so do look up those podcast episodes one was when we were in mexico we did one walking across wimbledon common and also i've talked to steve about his previous books too so you can look those up and i'll put the episode numbers in the show notes but for today we're talking about choice the choices we make in life the choices that possibly are put upon us and those choices sometimes are made because we have no choice basically um and to start with this steve i wanted you to just explain to the podcast listeners how you got to this point in your life a bit of a potted history of of um where you where you've come from and where you are right now Okay, let me think about that. Well, 50 <laughs> then, plus years of that. <laughs> well, very potted history, and then perhaps we'll pull apart some, some parts of it because we want, obviously okay. want to talk. Let me see if I can it. distill that down into a couple of sentences. Um, so, um, my name's Stephen Marriott, Stephen R. Marriott, author name, as Emma has, um, has said. Um, I used to work in the uh, stockbroking industry, so I had a career in financial services until... Um, I U-turned that, you might say, and discovered myself walking the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage, 
which um, maybe we'd talk um, a little bit more about later yes. to explain to people if they don't know, haven't come across the Camino de Santiago. Um, although we have discussed that before in the past. Um, I discovered that pilgrimage across northern Spain. Um, that inspired me to write my first book in the Reluctant Pilgrim series, the people, the landscape, the stories of the other pilgrims I met on the way. Sorry, the first, first was Candy Floss Guitar. Candy Floss Guitar, yeah. Yes. Um, as I say, the adventure, really, the, the, yes. and, and, and the, uh, um, the and, and rural Spain um, and, the, and the, the people I met on the way. It, it, it got my, my creative pulse going. Um, and so I found um, by the end of the journey that... Um, where my um uh, my, when my legs had stopped walking, my uh, typing fingers uh, resumed that journey, um, which has now led to three books, mm -hmm. and me finally quitting the the world of financial services. So um, that's me. Okay, I mean, it's this is a really interesting diversion, or or should we say, um, track from from a career in the city in investments and writing reports, I imagine, and, and creativity in a very different way to the creativity of writing a novel. And what, what would you say have been the crossovers between embracing this new career of writing? Oh, what crossovers are there? I don't think there were too many. Um, of course, there the, 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 the are some which come to mind initially. To write a, a novel requires discipline, um, and um, just like you go into a, you know a day job in the office, um, uh, you 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 know you, you you get the work done. Yes. yes. With, and you know the, the the nearest you might say that I had in terms of writing were were writing investment bulletins, client bulletins, reports, uh, um, analytical reports. So that's that's not creative in the same sense, but you have deadlines with with those and etc. So little by little, you have to, the hours you put in, in, in into that work day by day, um, you realise you need to do for a novel. Mm. And um, yes, that, you know, having this, of course, you have to have a story and, and ideas. But the sort of um, how would I put sort of Jack Kerouac sort of creative epiphany where it all just comes out in one go yes that, that that didn't happen for me it's it's more of a case of so the, the discipline of at least sort of finding four hours in a day to just sit down every day and and, and write the books um so i guess that there's that that sort of discipline um uh, crossover you might say um but yeah i'm struggling to to, to think of any any more and the and the sort of your vocabulary in terms of what you were writing in the investment world was, was probably a very dry vocabulary um but were the, so taking that kind of creativity is it is it is it is still a, a form of discipline and skill and creativity of being able to to uh, put together reports in a concise way um but but possibly taking words as it were and using them were you sort of saying goodbye to a whole lot of dry vocabulary and re releasing a new creativity within you did you feel well, that happening i think unfortunately sort of the words like uh, oligopoly monopoly <laughs> enterprise um etc will always be there ingrained into my vocabulary that said um i think there's a vocabulary within me that that i'd forgotten about that had um was at sort of the depths of my mind and that got um, rekindled, you might say, 
when I started walking the Camino and started to, to, to reconnect with myself and the nature and the stories around me. Um, I read a lot as a child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that widened my vocabulary, although it, uh, yeah, it's been sort of put to the, put, put on the, to, to the, uh, the, the back of the, uh, memories archive. Yes. yes. And, uh, perhaps my vocabulary, you know, d- d- was refreshed. Of course it continues to evolve. Yes. And, uh, um, as 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 I find my sort of my creative voice. Okay, I remember you mentioning to me that you actually wrote a uh, a script for a for a play at one point too. Uh, uh, so in, in some ways, perhaps that creativity creativity was always in you, and it was just it was always pushing at the knocking at the door, as it were. To yeah, I've, I've played around. I mean, I've always liked the cinema and books uh, and and um, yeah, sort of been interested in it and sort of you know, perhaps that was a creative outlook I've, I've looked for and um, you know, my brother has worked um, in the film industry and he's he's wrote me and when he made some short films to help out and has, I've been an extra and things like that so I've, I've always um, that was a medium for storytelling which um, yes. which I found interesting so yeah so I've um, I've dabbled here and there um, whilst working you know that was you know in, in, in the financial industry yes yes and the transition from from the financial industry to to uh, writing these books, obviously, you know, any anybody starting off to write a book, you've still got to pay the bills and everything. So that transition period, did you find that um, just a natural transition period or, or of coming and going back into the industry before you finally decided that that was it? You know, you... You've put yeah. a line under it, and I'm going oh, to be a writer. I think, um, I mean, it wasn't a deliberate sort of way of thinking. There, as you say, there was the, the bills to be paid, and so the, the first book in the Reluctant Pilgrim series that, that came about, um, Candy Floss Guitar, um, I didn't think that was going to you know, lead to a writing career or, or change a direction for me. Yeah. It, 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 as I say, it, it's, it's sort of the sort of what came out of me that, that started off from, you know, journals in my notebook that turned that became a blog which eventually morphed into this the first book in this series mm-hmm. and so that so um and then the the feedback I got from that when that book got published um the encouragement I got from that and the reviews people wanted to know more yes, yes. Um, I thought I'd parked my character um in a certain place mm-hmm. And um, it was clear that that was the end of that part of his story. Right. Um, but people seemed to want to know what was next. And so um, then the series came about, or the trilogy. So at that point, there wasn't sort of um, a, a deliberate sort of move that I, that 100% I was going to leave the financial services industry. But that was perhaps the, the, the catalyst, the start. And um, although I did know then when I did go on the Camino, the regional reason, one of the reasons for going on the Camino was because I was I was no longer happy in my career, I was dissatisfied, and I wanted some answers. So I had left my job. Yes. Uh, yes. By by that point, um, in in the city of London, uh, but when I came back, you know, I was looking, you know, okay, how can I sort of have a change of lifestyle? I'd rented out my flat, um, so that brought me some income in, um, and then I had further income through Airbnb. So what I'm trying to allude to is a kind of a transition. Yes. Um, yeah. I picked up some consultancy work, and then you know, a few years later, after the first book, um, with you know, within sort of um, that transition, you know, sort of um, juggling, you might say, different things with the consultancy as well. I I um, 
you know, started to think about a second or third book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and it was only really once I got going on the third book that I completely turned my back on and, and left the, the last job, which was which which started as consultancy position, which then turned into a part-time permanent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, role. So the next stage really was sort of transition than burn your bridges, you might say. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, when I when I left the last job, I think my CV was so you know, it disjointed my CV so much. I, I, I know I stated my case that I was going going to do different things, yes, work yes. on the books and do and, and and have a different lifestyle. So yeah, so transition. Then um, I built some confidence with the writing, um, and yeah, just just burn the bridges so there's no way back. Mm -hmm. And and coming to that uh, conclusion, uh, it's basically a choice that you you've made. Uh, this podcast series of 2023 is all about. Uh, choices that that we make to define us but also to redefine us and do you think the choice you made is was very much a, a definitive step to redefine who you are in your in your mind mentally as well mm, i think I, I i think there's been times when, when it has been definitive but i think uh, these last few years have been a journey of discovery about me, who I am. Yes. You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but that, that phrase, peeling back the onions, you know, and I've, and I've done that myself, going on this, this pilgrimage, a kind of epiphany. And um, whilst my stories are fictional, there is some of me that have found their way in, in, into the books, especially the third book, which is probably the most personal of the three mm -hmm. and was born about the, 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 the what started me off on this journey in the first place going on a Camino crossroads of dissatisfaction with my career a marriage breakdown mm -hmm. and um, confusion about myself so you might say that when I went on this first walk the Camino Frances which is the uh, um, 800 kilometer pilgrimage across northern Spain and yes. on the, uh, we call it the Camino Frances because there's different roads to Santiago, but that's the most popular route. Um, that was not so much a conscious decision. It was just, I have no answers left. I don't want to be in this career. The home, the lifestyle in London with my uh, ex-wife is, is, is going. Mm -hmm. um, so that was born out of, um, I would say, emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An emotional thing about, I just need to get away, and I need to get the answers. That's another story, but... Um, Three signs came came to me about walking the Camino de Santiago, and perhaps that was conscious, and that I'd started to just be. I'd done other travels in the past. I was starting to be clear to be conscious of those signs and be open to those signs. So okay. the, the conscious part was probably like, okay, this is the next path, the Camino de Santiago. Unconscious was just the fact I'm I'm in panic. I'm in you know, um, fight off what's the expression, fight or flight. Yes, yes. Um, mode. And that was an emotion decision just to get away and go on that road. But, the, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but when I was... Um, so I've just lost the mic there. It's just fallen off. <laughs> Let me just clip it back on here a sec. Um, hopefully that doesn't disrupt things too much. That's um, right. Uh, as I say, when I was at the start um, of the Camino, which is um, in a French little town on the French side of the Pyrenees, which you, you cross over onto, into Spain and then walk across the north, north Spain for a yes. month or so. I didn't know right at those first few days that was the right road. Okay. But, yeah. but so it was an emo yeah, uh, a mixture of emotion and, uh, and, and sort of 
um, a conscious decision about taking this next path mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, physically and um, metaphorically as well in that, in, in that sense. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting about walking as well because you're, you're walking towards a, a destination, but it's, it, it was, it's about the journey. But actually, it was also about, similar to work, you had to get up every morning and walk. And then you end your day, you sleep, you get up the next day, walk. So in some ways, it's quite interesting that, that by doing something so repetitive allows you almost to switch off to then become creative, to allow your subconscious to take over almost, or, or you to be able to think without realizing you're thinking because you're walking and you're just putting one step in front of the other. Would you say that was true of you? Yes, and again, I didn't really know it or appreciate it so much to begin with. Yes. Um, of course, the Greek philosophers knew about that <laughs> thousands of years ago and the, 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 the benefits of walking and, and, the, and the clarity it brings. Uh, but I think in this sense, when you're walking across a country for a month or so, and there isn't, you know, your life does become very simple. Um, after a few days, when you've got the task at hand of walking, um, and if you know if the decks are sort of cleared as such, all the noise and um, you might even say trivial trivialities, um, you leave behind. So the urban world was left behind for me. London was left behind. Yes. That urban that urban noise, that world, and yeah, really there were just just sort of three three things you really do when you walk um, a long distance on a, you know, and you know, this is the pilgrimage as well, which is, I think is very much different to a, different to a hike because everyone's mindset is they are seekers. They're looking for something on this pilgrimage mm -hmm. and everybody along the way sees it as a pilgrimage, whether it's the villagers, um, um, obviously your fellow walkers, etc. We, we all know it's a pilgrimage as such. Uh, and as, you know, as, uh, as I say, it's very simple. Three things, you know, you're walking. Yes. You're eating and stopping on the way, and you're sleeping. You're just sort of doing the very basics, um, and so when you're doing that, it, it, it's a very simple life. Um, and I think your your senses do become more alert uh, to the immediate environment, the day to day, the nature, the streams, the rivers, the, the sounds of the wind, um, the landscape you've just walked through, and maybe you you, know, you stop for a few moments to look back at the landscape or look what's ahead at the, at the horizon, and um, so your senses become more alert. And I think you also one of the senses is listening. Hmm. You um, there's nothing else to do really when you you know you bump into walkers on the way, and you you know you, you strike friendships for however, however long they are, maybe half an hour or maybe a few days or even longer, with the people doing the same thing as you who are all going the same way, and so you listen. And people share their stories, and more often than not, one of the first things people are asked, "Well, what? Why are you walking the Camino? Um, what, 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 what brought you here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what kind of changes, maybe, are you looking to make change?" And so, yeah, so your senses in that very simple aspect of, you know, um, uh, of, of walking, I might say, um, just become human again—the mm. the human instincts. Um, um, alert mm -hmm. and sort of from from the walk that i did with you the well part of the Mazarabe i did mm -hmm. with you and also the portuguese yes two walks the most um, recent one we did most, yeah. yes um i find it not only it it sort of uh grounds you back within yourself it grounds you back into nature too but what was very interesting about the second walk we did which was the the, Portu the portuguese walk portuguese um 
for the first time, I noticed well, in Mozarabe we didn't see very many people, admittedly. No, it's south of Granada is particularly quiet in yes. terms of pilgrims yes. on that one. Uh, on, the, on the Portuguese walk, yeah. I, I noticed that more people were wearing um, earpods and tuning into music. And headphones, yeah. Headphones. And so tuning, tuning out of everything around them in a, in a different way. And I wonder, I haven't done that ever. I've always walked with, without mm. listening to anything. And what kind of experience people are getting, which is different to the one that we've both had as a result of tuning into something else, which possibly could be, could be a distraction, or maybe it's just music, which helps you even further distance yourself from your troubles and makes you go more inward and more ground grounds you even more i don't know i haven't i haven't ever done no, i haven't tried and i don't think i ever will mm-hmm. uh because as i said i want for me the, the walking the pilgrimage the nature aspect is what i want and i need and definitely needed then yes and so i want to remove myself of any connection with the urban life i want to be open to the experience um i want to be you know <laughs> Isn't it frustrating when you walk past people and you say you greet them and they ignore you? Yeah. Half the time it's not that, that they're being rude; they just didn't hear you. Yeah. Because they've got, as you say, little um, they're plugged in. <laughs> you, know, you don't see that. You don't. You, you don't see the Apple um, um, little um, cordless wireless um, um, earphones e- these days. And so it's only after and you realise, oh yeah, yeah. You know, for some people it might work. You know, they might just say there's, there's some music and things or podcasts or whatever they've been wanting to listen to for ages, and it just takes them out. Of the, it just takes them out of the space. And for some people, it helps maybe with the distance, yeah, just to yes. switch off. But I would always say it's a bad idea because you you want to experience. You want to experience. You're not fully immersing yourself into that experience. And the music for me is the music of the riverways, the sea. The wind through the trees. That's that's the music of the Camino for me. And of course, there's a lot of music in terms of musicians and busking. Course, and you yes, know, who yeah. my, my my character is a flamenco guitarist. Um, and you've got the choral music in churches or Gregorian chants. Um, you know, which I heard a lot of in the monasteries and woke up to the few times I stayed in monasteries, which was wonderful. So, yeah. I'm on a different experience, and so those are the sounds I want to hear. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, it's it, it's very sad. I think these days how um, a lot of people um, uh, de- uh, desensitize themselves themselves in a way. Of course, music is joyous, and I'm not saying that music doesn't spark ever emotions, ever creative things in oneself. Of course, maybe yeah, listening to Mozart all the way along the Camino would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not the music of the Camino for me. Yes, yeah, yes. Um. So let's get on to talking about the book, or the books, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So uh, Diego is the is the main character of the book, and how did how did he, as the character, come about? Ah, oh, gosh. Um, Perhaps also just mention to yeah. to the podcast listeners a quick potted synopsis of the books without without too many spoiler alerts. Okay, that's that, that, that that's, that's probably a good idea. But maybe <laughs> I could throw that back on you, Emma, as someone who has read all of my books and so as, as somebody who's responded to those if, if if you don't mind, because you've been very helpful and close to my books, especially the last book takes place on the Camino Portuguese, which we walked um mm-hmm. mainly for research. Yes. 
for that book. Of course, we did have our own Camino experiences on the way, and, and you were my uh, my chief proofreader for that book as well. Um, and you proofread the the last, the second book as well in the I series. Did, yes. So um, in Spain, in fact. and I think yes, you did. So yeah, um, you've been and you went on the part of the Maserabe with me. Yeah, where some of that book takes place. So I'll be interested to see from kind of a reader's perspective, but someone who's been closer as, as what what the series means to you or the or um each individual book. So I'm gonna throw that back at you if you oh, don't mind. Dear. And I, okay. I can I can fill in the gaps of course. <laughs> okay, well um right, I wasn't expecting that, mm-hmm. I have to say. Um so I think as a as a whole, I would say the books centre around this this main character, Diego. And Diego has very much been brought up in a village. His life's all have been a, has always been about the village. Uh, he lost his mother very early on in in life, and I think that actually had more of an impact on on him and his father than he ever realised or would admit to himself for many years. Um, and his father pushes him out the door because he realises that Diego has much talent. Uh, as a musician and if he wants to follow that quest for for music um, he needs to get out of the village and and go and Diego goes very reluctantly thus the reluctant pilgrim and in fact his father gave him a second option which was to to go to his um, cousin's farm which was just down the down the Camino track which actually goes through their village uh, and and earn money so he had two options but when he starts walking the trail like you said Steve when you start walking you kind of keep walking and for various reasons um, a woman that he quite liked the look of at the one point uh, kept him walking um, and also playing his his guitar which his father had given him uh, as as he pushed him at the door it takes you on a real journey across Spain. And for those who may never walk the Camino, it is such an insight into walking the people that you meet, the nature. And also it's a, it's a reflection on your own life as you're understanding more about Diego's life and the, the problems and frustrations he has. I think it also touches on buttons what it did for me for me to actually reflect on how I would react in this in a similar situation or or, or life in general and I think um the fact that you wrote three books it's it is a very nice balanced uh journey shall we say of his life leaving the village and what happens to him en route and actually where he ends up is also not necessarily where one would think he would end up being the character that he is. And I don't want to spoil the story, so I will stop that I was that getting one. worried you were about to then, so <laughs> the, 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 the complete end of, of, the, of the, the, the trilogy. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting to hear. Thanks, Emma. Because um, the first the first one is very much just a novella, and and you can see also that's what's quite interesting, is also I, I saw as, as I read through the three books how your writing has evolved and uh, blossomed, shall we say, as you've written. And that's so nice to witness uh, with authors who are starting out. You're not the first person that I've, I've come across who's done the same. And, and it's, it's nice to be almost, you're on, on the author's journey as well. The author's, uh, Luke Richardson's another one mm. who, who we've been talking to recently. And, and, uh, 
it's the same with him how his journey is is flourishing and um through through writing and anyone who who would want to walk the camino you could either read these books beforehand or even afterwards actually yeah. um or or both in fact because <laughs> it's sometimes it's nice to reflect back with a story as your as your companion as you're re retraveling the routes on uh, rewalking the routes in, uh, as a as a as a reader rather than as an actual walker yeah i think hopefully that, that for some people that would be a nice way to to experience the book because i think it might um spark um memories of their own camino and and similar circumstances and take them back to the pilgrim paths um but yeah, thank you, Emma. That's kind of what I was, you know, I've been trying to say with the books and trying to achieve. So uh, I think you're now promoted to my chief PR person, <laughs> upgraded from chief editorial role that you had with proofreading. Well, thank so, you. So, yeah. I think I just need to be a little bit more succinct, perhaps, well, possibly, yeah. than I was there. Yeah, I mean, and then just responding to your actual question about the character Diego, yes. where did he come from? Yeah. Well, he was, you know, he's, he's different characters. That, that you meet along the way that, that sort of morphed into this one character, Diego. And um, when you're walking the, the Camino, you'll often or sometimes come across pilgrims who bring musical instruments with them on the way. Typically it's a guitar, uh, maybe a fiddle, and they will just play for their own sake yes. um, along the way or to entertain um, you know, a group of pilgrims they've met or um, in a bar one night. And so there was music um, along the way. Um, Diego uh, lives on a village, um, you know, on the Camino path. Um, so that part of northern Spain is, is, is not the sort of, um, isn't a flamenco part. You know, the heritage of flamenco is, is the south in Andalusia. Uh, so along that route, there's also a lot of, you know, especially in Galicia, pipe music and, and folk, folk music, Celtic style music, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is interesting. So it's a distinction um, of music there. But of course, Spain is known for flamenco and I've come across a lot of flamenco. So I thought that would be nice to have this raw talent, flamenco talent, um, a coming of age story. Um, but also I, I would, would add that there was a guy um, from Mexico who, who, who I, I joined a group of walkers on my first Camino mm-hmm. on and off. Uh, we're all from different places. Um, the majority of them are from Italy. This guy was from Mexico, uh, a young man, a similar age to my character, Diego, in his early 20s, who I think was just breaking free. I think he had um, quite a, um, a, 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 an upbringing which was sort of preordained almost for him in terms of college university etc in um in the wealthy in, in, in wealthy mexico and i think he just needed to break free and he brought his guitar with him and he was just having the time of his life mm. meeting different people playing his music um he even performed in the when we arrived in santiago he, he, he broke out his guitar and in, in the late and played in his guitar in the, the main square oh, outside wow. the cathedral into the evening, and yeah, you know, yeah. and there's so many of us had all met on the way. Yes, um, yeah. you know, were there for that. So um, you know, of course, that that found a way and, and yeah. gave me ideas into, into this character. And of course, there's a little bit of myself, as I think of most people, writers will always find a bit of them. You'll find a bit of them in, in, in the story, and a bit of me with him. And as I said, the 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 third story is, is, is probably the most personal. Yeah. Um, of the books yet. Yes, yes. Albeit fiction. I mean, that's interesting that that you talk about the the Mexican guy that you met on the route because that's that's just such a um, a classic example of the choices that while we're growing up and we're young that are made for us and 
and define us mm. and and it's there comes a point where if we want to redefine us it means we have to make new choices ourselves which can be challenging and also uh take courage it takes courage to do so but for him it's clearly he needed to do that to to come out of where he was uh to walk he made that choice to walk bring his guitar and yes. do the things he loved to help redefine who or to define or redefine whichever way he was so young uh who he is and and i suppose that's that's the same for for all of us in life whenever we get stuck we have to take new choices um and through those choices we start to redefine who we are would you say that's true of your yourself well i guess yeah choices um defines your character doesn't it and that's very much you um when you're writing about characters they're presented with choice in books and then yes. that once that they 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 have you know whether it's just as simple as some um a crossroads which way do they go do they you know do they take the harder road or the road less uh, as in Forster's um um poem the road less walked and and i think so um you can see that quite clearly in books as a as a, as a character is revealed to you. How do they respond to choices? And um, choices do reveal your character. Do like I said earlier. Do you do you um, have you reacted emotionally, or have you actually recognised that and been aware and stood back and said, "I'm about to make a bad decision because it's it's based on emotion," mm-hmm. um, or have I given myself the time to settle and and be more clear about the choices? And I think when I I look at my myself. Um, there's definitely been lots of bad choices because of being built on emotion um, or more rational choices. Um, but I don't think I've done that enough of my, myself. Now you've got me thinking about it. I think reflecting on your choices will reveal a lot about your own character. And we need to do that more. And um, we all know that we've got to somewhere because of choices. Mm-hmm. But was that the right path or where did that? how did that choice take us there? And I think, yes, it's a good point. The more you, that, that will reveal your own character and, and perhaps a better understanding of yourself. So, um, yeah, um, that's something I think is, is clear. Perhaps it's just something I need to do more of. Mm, does, that, I, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I think so. And I think it's also then recognising that you've, you, you never run out of choices. I mean, the minute we get out of bed... Mm. In the morning, we're making a choice. Yep. Do I clean my teeth before breakfast, after breakfast? Mm-hmm. What do I have for breakfast? Oh, the sun's shining. What do I put on? What, mm. what am I clothing myself in? Am I walking down the road? Which route? Each choice has a knock-on effect. Of course, these are day-to-day choices that, or every-moment choices mm. that we don't even think about. Um, but it's but it also has an impact on our, on our lives. Of course, because like daily choices are that build habit. Yeah, exactly. And then habit. Once a habit is obviously it's a consistent. Um, form of actions that will define how well you do in a certain task or um, how you approach your job how you might approach a relationship you know very simply if your habit is going to the pub every day after work that will inform how perhaps the knock-on effects maybe your relationship mm-hmm. so um whilst they may seem trivial i think a lot of things are just natural but it's that awareness of how those choices build into habit. Yeah. Because habit is hard to break once, 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 uh, because it's a habit. Yes, yes. Although they do say it takes three months only to break a habit. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but, uh, 
but then that's your Well, you've choice. got to do that consistently, yes. that, that change of, of, of thing yes. every day to, to, to make it happy, to, to break that habit, exactly. to form a different habit. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole of about choices here, <laughs> but, um, but quite interesting to, to think. Do you think with Diego's choices that he made along the way, they are based on something you instinctively felt he would do, or is it based on your own... Um, experiences I think um, well you touched on some of it in the fact that unconsciously he, he was affected by the death of his, uh, his, his his mother when he was very young and I think we all have scars that, that remain from childhood events and I think un- he's lived his life um, partly unconscious he knows he's, he was unhappy with his, but, 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 but the lasting scars and so not being aware of that, he has not been aware of some of the way he's reacted to situations with his relationship with women, for example. He had trouble to form relationships mm-hmm. because he's always looking for a mother-type figure in the women that he um, he comes across. Yes. And so that's that was, um, uncon- was an unconscious thing. But I think um, he goes on a journey. He starts to, as I say, strip back the, 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 the layers of himself and he starts to understand himself better to the point where um, he um, he does go for tra- through transformation, and because of his understandings, he is now able to make better choices, mm-hmm. better decisions based on the understanding of why he does things sometimes. Yes, yeah. Or how he reacts to certain to certain situations, and that's all part of the journey in the book, in the in, in the trilogies, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. trilogies, trilogy, trilogy. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so um, moving on to life generally and and walking a Camino for example you have your roots are basically you don't have solid roots your roots are actually a traveling route but it's a it's a it's a route with a oh as a route as an r-o-u-t rather than roots as an r-o-o-t the question is about both those issues about mm-hmm. uh, the roots that we travel and the roots that we form in terms of the choices we make to stay rooted in, in a place or not, and how have you approached life and rooting yourself? I think there are different times in your life when you you want to be grounded, you want to be part of a community, um, and you feel those those roots just naturally naturally come you know just like you know when you plant a tree sometimes it oh it took root it just comes because the 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 the, the, the right nutrients are there for that tree at the time the earth it's been the, the environment it's been put in and i think finding your environment being what, what what environment suits you uh whether you 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 need the energy of people around you you need community or you need um space and mm-hmm. and, and distance and landscape it's under it's, it's knowing that, and I think with me, the times when I found community um, um, have worked for me. Um, I mean, often that comes because of the necessity of having a job. Often, yes. So you have to be in a place. So community can come through your work, of course, um, or the place you actually live, and that's always worked for me in the past. But there has always been a wanderlust in me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's maybe that's part of the Irish in me. I'm half Irish, mm-hmm. so does that that perhaps come in me? So there were just times in my life where I need just to just to get away, to seek and 
explore and partly that's you know why I went on a pilgrimage and I just you know as I said I didn't know it at the time but that was that was um, the right path for me then and um, so I think I'm a bit of a seeker a bit of explorer and um, I need that as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um, I need the R-O-U-T-E route yes from time from time to time and I think I thought that that's one of those things where I think that's that is just in your in one's nature um, there is an element of me being itinerant, and um, I, I do need roots to come back to. I do realise that that the that, that home and a place um, to be to come back to is the perfect world for me. That community, and I think you know, as as somebody would describe myself as a traveller now, that has been one of the most hardest things for me in recent times. Is um, it's finding my home, my place, and yeah. we are, we're going through this process together at the moment. Yes, yes, of yeah. um, um, having left London, and we're now trying to find. You know, we're uh, rootless. Yeah, you know, we're rootless. <laughs> yes, uh, we you know we have the van, and you know we've we've done some trips as we as we look for that place, and you know of course there's economic considerations and things to find that that thing. But I think we both feel we do need that place mm. and i think that probably is that's that's our hardest challenge at the moment it is no, definitely. Um, you know you might say that's sort of first world problems um and having a home and, and a shelter but you know i think for, for the traveler i'm discovering finding home is one of our biggest challenges mm. mm -hmm. no no de most certainly and in fact i find that every time we get into our van roswin so if if you as a podcast listener aren't aware we actually have our instagram feed at on the road with roswin which took us on our adventures through scotland and to and to sicily as well but and because most of our life at the moment is all in boxes at my mum's place <laughs> um she's very kindly sort of stashing everything away for us um our only home is actually roswin and every time i get into that little van i do feel at home and i think it's just because it's something that i know is is ours and i know it's not forever but i can understand that that feeling of those are our, our roots on, on roots mm. on wheels at the moment. Well, that 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 yeah, I feel that as well actually. Do you? It was, um, um, just the other day when I was doing a a, a podcast in there, um, you know, and um, that was I did it from the van. Um, uh, it was a Zoom one, but somebody so somebody else was podcast was interviewing me, and um, yeah, I felt I felt very relaxed and in because it was my space, and perhaps that that encompasses for us. Yeah, that up the home, but representing you know sort of the feeling of community that we've we've gone out seeking community in that van. Yes, yeah. and um, that that does r remind me that I need that kind of place. And actually, I think it takes me back to like you know one of my favourite programmes as a kid, um, Doctor Who. And I love, <laughs> and I, I think the thing that that, that I, you know I love the, the the fact that you know the adventures that that, that someone had in foreign places and foreign universes, galaxies, and planets. But the very fact that Doctor Who had his TARDIS, which was, as you know, anyone who's watched Doctor Who will know that uh, um, it's bigger in the inside than the outside of, of what the the, tele, the the police boxes that it's that that, that, it, that it is, is that there's always that home to return to, whatever he may be. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it's going away to explore, but coming back to that place, and yes. you know, the TARDIS has everything in there that the Doctor needs. Yes, yes. And sometimes he's joined by companions, so he has company as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. But let's go back to back to the Camino one more time, and and um, particularly like walking the Camino. That was one thing I learnt from you because I had never done a long distance walk like that. Mm -hmm. and, well, I have, but not 
in a different way um where i basically you just carry everything on your back and 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 the idea is not to carry too much in fact the first rucksack i came back with to go on the Maserabi walk, walk with you, you just shook you your head. You mean from the shop, you mean? From the shop. Yeah. <laughs> you, you shook your head at me, said, take it back, it's too big. And I thought it was the, one of the smallest ones. And he said, then you said, uh, get the smallest one, So which I did. And I was very grateful because it, by having a very small backpack, it made me appreciate, actually, when you're walking, you don't really need very much no. with you. And in fact, anything that you do want that you don't have, you can get en route or you you'll find a way to um improvise and and the more you carry the more of a burden it becomes yeah. and the less of a a a, a journey of a, of escape yeah <laughs> it becomes well it's learning to trust that you can't pack full eventualities and yes. trust that um uh, that if that, that things will work out and you do it and you do anything and the other thing of course you know we're not talking about sort of deepest darkest Mongolia or something. The Caminos are in Spain. Okay, there's the Maserabi we did is very rural. Mm. Um, but we're talking about Spain, so you can get what you need on the way often. Yes. And um, you don't need tents either. You're not doing some through hike. You know, there's, you know, some people bring tents, um, although there's not so many campsites en route. Um, there is the um, economy of um, accommodation along the Camino routes, uh, whether it's... Um, Albergues, which you know, which are the hostels, the municipal hostels, or the private hostels, or guest houses, hotels, uh, pensions, monasteries, and um, other places you can stay for free mm-hmm. from with people volunteering along the route to, to help the pilgrims. So yeah, that aspect is just about having trust, I think, in, in oneself. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Um. In fact, what you've just touched on about accommodation, and that's actually seems to me another key to how you um how much you get out of a camino is um we saw quite often on the on the portuguese people booking ahead mm. and not trusting that when they got there there would be a place for them somewhere yeah. or stopping sooner so they were they're very much restricting themselves to deadlines again mm. bringing bringing their life with them rather than mm. letting go of that structure and letting a Camino structure naturally unfold. What What's your view on this? Well, I mean, I think you and I are quite different in that we're, we, we, we like the adventure and we trust that, that, that there'll be accommodation, things will work out at the, at the end of the day, and they do on the Camino. Um, but I think because the Camino Portuguese is shorter, depending where you start it from. You can start it in Lisbon, but if you start it in Porto, which people typically start it before they, they cross over, and, and that takes them north, cross the Minho River into Spain, and then up to Galicia and, and Santiago. We did that in two you know, two parts, straddled with the pandemic in, in between. Um, you know, it's, it's less than two-week walk. It's about 200 kilometres. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it, it's kind of less than half of the Camino, the traditional Camino France. When you walk the Camino France, there's, there's even more of an industry along there. Mm. And there's bigger albergues, etc. And I think when you're walking that, um, people just know things work out. Yes. And of the municipal albergues, you can't book ahead. It's first come, first serve. Hence why some people get up very early to, 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 to secure their bed at the end of the walk. Yeah. <laughs> or to beat the sun if it's in the summer, the heat of the summer. But... Um, 
my aspect on that is that, that again, it's about sort of doing a little bit of homework before having a bit of Camino wisdom before you go, knowing that you're not, you're, this is different. It's not, it's not, it's not a holiday. It's not a hike. It's a pilgrimage. And you have to just, you know, have to go with the, that open mind. And um, we never booked on the Portuguese ahead. No. Um, but it worked out. I think actual fact, we did actually. We did all for one we, night. We had one hotel actually yeah. where we wanted just a bit of a treat ourselves. Um, and and Ponta Vidara, just I think, just before we took the um, alternative um, uh, Variante Espiritual. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ponta Vidara, I think. Is yeah. a, so it's a medieval sort of large town. And yes. we did there. Oh, right, yes. And we booked, I think we booked last night. We booked in the morning or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but you don't need to, um, and I think again people have you know they, they book it all out before, and then they they, they sort of limit the experience because you might meet some people, and then they that they, they get they carry on to where they're going, or um, you like a place and you wanted to spend more time there, but you can't because you've got your booking yeah, yeah. Uh, ahead, and I think that is for people learning that you don't this is you don't need you know you have to be open to the road the pilgrimage and it will work out, and of course there are on the Portuguese, which is the second most common um, common walk Camino to Santiago to Compostela, there are a lot of choices of accommodation. Of course, um, in the peak peak month, July, there will be less. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when we did it, it was in 2021, so that was sort of just still coming out of the sort of stay-at-home um, uh, coronavirus yeah, uh, situation. Yes. And there they were restricting numbers they were, in some of the albergues. Yeah. Uh, and so still in the municipal ones, it's still first come, first served. Mm -hmm. And we only just got into one one day, but it still <laughs> yes. worked out. Um, and so I think people were a little bit sort of booking ahead because they were worried about that. But I think this is also the phenomenon that you touch on with, you know, sort of um, head f listening to your, your phone on route and, you know, uh, and music with, you know, uh, uh, the... the um, um, headphones are, are whatever they're called pods what are they called Head earpods know, earpods I think um, it's so easy on your phone with an app to just look at booking.com or something and just just book ahead but, but uh, um, and I think that's also part of people's insecurities of like um, it's, it's you know, the distance of overwhelming or at least if I book a place and now I've got to get there but you know you do get somewhere and also you know the other problem is if you book ahead and you're tired can't just stop and we when we didn't you know we we're not booking ahead we just we i mean our first night we didn't walk too far because we were tired yeah because so it, it's, just, it's quite over. a lot of hassle to get out of porto when you're walking and um and we also went meant we we spent longer in the in the fish um market and had a long lunch which is wonderful and then we just came to a little um almost like sort of fishing hamlet on the coast before the sort of the first major town that people often will stop at and we just said, oh, we love it here. We could smell the mackerel, you know, being grilled, uh, yeah, being grilled on a barbecue, barbecue. outside a, a restaurant. <laughs> and there was there was a lot of a there was a couple of um, um, like you might say motels there, really, um, you know. And um, we just got some cheap accommodation yeah. on the spur on the moment, a bed and breakfast almost. Yeah, um, and that was great. And I'm so glad we stayed there with that experience. Mm. And again, that was ending up in that 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 little village on on the coast there, not far from Porto. 
turned out to be gold dust for my book as well. It did, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so let's go. Um, I think we're back to wind up now because I think we've I've yeah. kept you for long enough and you've got, you're in the middle of all dealing with the marketing and um, uh, preparing for the launch of the book. And actually that brings me to that, that choice that you you took to self-publish rather than go down a traditional route, which does mean to all those who do self-publish, of course, it means you're more in charge, you've got more freedom, but it also means you've got more work to do. Yes. Um, and for you, how what has that journey been like? Um, I guess learning to be professional, mm-hmm. learning not to cut corners, knowing that you have to spend money on certain things, like getting a good cover designer, professional editor, uh, etc., um, and for the marketing aspect, yes, how, I mean that's 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 almost like a, people have that as a career, don't they? Yeah, you're, you're learning new learn, things, so. and you know, with, you know, how do you market? In, a, in, a, in a, how do you get more bang for your buck? And you know, we live in the digital age, and yes, in, in, um, there's that. There's it's a choice that people make. It's also about like, do I want my story to get into the world, or do I just wait forever? Um, and I'm like one of the lucky sort of whatever few it is that um that gets an agent or, or, or and gets published and you know you might wait forever to get your story out there and it yeah. might never see the light of day so for me it was also a choice about that I, I you know I didn't set out as I said set out to write a book let alone a series um but the, the, the but the, the feedback I got on the manuscript the first one was 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 positive and so I sent it off to a couple of publishers, not really knowing much about indie publishing, self-publishing, as it's also known as. Um, and I did, um, send it, I just think I just sent it to two, if I remember rightly. One, I didn't hear anything back from, and you rarely hear back you know, these mm. days. And there's a submission approach, the approach that you have to do with each publisher. And the other one came back to me and said, oh, we like your style of writing, and we just don't do this genre. But have you ever thought about writing a crime <laughs> thriller because that's that's all we're focusing on at the moment and um we'd love you to write us a, a you know a crime story that wasn't me that wasn't what i was about so then i just then the the, the world of self-publishing was starting to take off with with kindle and amazon and um somebody showed me that it was possible but how to do it in a professional commercial yeah. way yes and i was like okay well i can get this book out into the world um, there were no there are no barriers there's no gatekeepers and that's what I like about it so you can also be inventive and look my books now are um uh, obviously available on Amazon as a Kindle as a paperback uh, they're also um, um, available in any um, bookstore in the world mm-hmm. um, so in the states Barnes and Noble for example the biggest bookshop chain here in the UK is Waterstones as you know Emma or independent bookshops they yeah. can all be ordered through those through those um, those stores but also um, when I'm saying about being inventive there's audible now there's there's audio books my books have also I've got a narrator and who's been, has been produced professionally in a studio um, those books are now out um, in a you know in an audible form for you know for people who who like audio books so yeah. there is no no gatekeepers yes. and I'm in control of that yes it requires investment um, and obviously uh, an ability to to be creative but yeah you know we've always lived in a world there's a lot of people telling you no you can't do this and that's what the publishing world often does but you you now talking about choices you can make a choice to do it your way. Or um, try to get published, but that—that that is, you know, that's like becoming a A-list, a Hollywood 
um, actor. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yes. You have your own website and a newsletter, so it's all about getting people into kind of your universe, isn't it? And it it takes time and energy, and and also it's it's almost like writing a book, isn't it? It's the same amount of of energy and effort and thought needs to go into that side of mm. it, which is all part of that creative creativity, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it comes back, actually made me think more clearly now about that. one of the first questions you asked me about the sort of the overlap between the corporate world um, and the writing world. I guess the marketing part mm-hmm. is in the sense of business. You have to, you know, you switch it between hats. The writing is the, the, the uh, creative's berry on and then, you know, with the uh, with all that marketing and the, and the publication of the book, you know, you're back to your sort of um, commercial world and you know, it's a different hat now. That is, and, and so it's making that switch. And some people can do it in that they write in the morning, mm-hmm. and then in in the afternoon they do all the the, the non writing stuff related to their books. And um, I still haven't quite found my way with that. Been a switch off. Um, I find it easier just to write the book, and then focus on the on the promotion, the publication of, of the book, and then on to the next book, whatever that might be next. Uh, whereas some people who are a lot more prolific with their writing sort of on a daily basis switch between the two mm-hmm. and uh, you have to find what works for you and, and you learn that. But yeah, that I guess that is the similarities of the sort of the commercial world mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. came from is, 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 is all the publication and learning how you, the skills you might have or the, that you had in that, in that business world, how can you apply them to getting your books out there? Mm-hmm. So one last question for you. In the years that you have developed your writing skills and got your books out, and the choices that you've made along along that way, which choice do you think you've made has had the biggest impact on where you're heading, where you want you you as a person to go? So that's the, with the writing side yeah. of the choice. Gosh, I wish you'd you'd, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd given me that question in advance. <laughs> I just the thought thing of it. Is I live Sorry. with you, you would you, you would do. Gosh, uh, let me think about that that one. Um, so, so it's in terms of actually the creative process and the books. What's the biggest the choice well, which has had the biggest impact on, on yeah, all of that? Yeah, the choices that you've made out of in that whole process of of becoming a, a writer mm. and getting your books out. And, mm. You know, you're faced with so many options and choices. And is there one that stands out that you would say? If you're given this opportunity, choose this as something to offer other writers coming coming up. If you think you know you've written a good book, or even if it's not your, you think it's not your best book to come, but you know it's 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 in the right direction, and you believe that you want to write books, I would say have the faith, keep walking, keep writing. And um, for me, I think the turning point was after book two, really, where I said, okay. I've just got to have, okay, I have moments still, but it's just have that self-belief in yourself and just find a way. If the money's not coming in from the books yet, you, know, you need you need several books to, you know, and they need to be successful to yeah. pay the bills. Um, I would say whatever it is, get a part-time job or anything, but just have that, that faith um, and that this is what you want to do. It's, it's a big decision for me to, to, to finally uh, pull up the drawbridge and, um, you know, factual fact, burn that bridge. Mm. Um and um, with the last escapade in the financial world, because there is no going back now, and I've done that. So that was a big choice to be made. And um, yeah, so all I would I would say is that just have faith. Mm-hmm. 
once you've had the first book out and, and you enjoyed that process and it's, and it's gained some momentum. Yes, yes. Okay. So for the podcast listeners, we've got three books out. We've got Candy Floss Guitar, Santiago's Guitar and Diego's Guitar, which will be launched at the end of this month. But it is on pre-order. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find the books to buy, Steve. Yeah, so uh, yes, it's on pre-order, which means you can order it now. So if the world runs out of paper between now and the end of the month, at least you will have secured your copy. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you can pre-order it on Amazon. Um, as an uh, ebook, also as well, obviously. <laughs> yeah, as an ebook. I'm joking. It's just only available as an ebook on Amazon at the moment. But at the end of the month, it will be available in paperback format as well on Amazon and in all the usual bookstores online or in physical bookstores as well to order. Uh, you can go to my website, which you've touched on, which is www.stephen with a phrmarriott.com, and um, yeah. Sign up to my newsletter from my website if they want to know, find out what's coming next. And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I share various different aspects about my travel life on there and different tips for travel and, and, and various things. And that's that's evolving as well. So that's going to change. That's going to, I'm going to grow that more into sort of a lot more travel related insights as well. You're on quite a few podcasts coming up also talking about uh, your book. So if people want to learn different aspects of you um you can look those up i imagine you'll put links to the podcast you're on on your website uh there are some links there already yes or, yeah. or on the newsletter so or on the newsletter. Yeah. So another uh, reason to sign up to your to your newsletter so anything else you'd like to add for the final statement <laughs> oh gosh more choices no i think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there i think we've covered a lot of ground so oh. um yeah just just to say thanks for uh, having me on again emma and uh, i look forward to the next chat yes okay well thanks very much to everybody for tuning in today i hope you've enjoyed our podcast chat do check out steve's three books they are definitely a great read i can say it because i've, I've walked biased. the walk and i've talked the talk <laughs> i'm talking and i'm talking the talk uh, it's because she has a mention in the last book <laughs> no um they are they're, they're brilliant and they they really give you an insight into the camino uh for those who have walked it want to walk it or can't walk it this is another way to just absorb it and enjoy it too alongside a really good story Thanks very much, everybody, for tuning in. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe. Please do share with your friends because that helps the podcast and the guests that I have on to reach a wider audience. And of course, please leave a rating and a review, a star rating. That would be fantastic for the, for the podcast, again, to help it get out there into the world. That's it for now. I hope you have a good rest of the week. Take care and thanks for listening to the Travelling Through podcast. Thank you.